Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. The Illinois Family Institute's Lori Higgins was a recent guest during VCY America's Crosstalk program. She and host Jim Snyder discussed the transing of government schools. Ladies and gentlemen, an incremental, systematic approach has been underway in the educational system for many years, and its fruit is abounding. How shocked we were 20 years ago in the school year 2000-2001, it was that school year, when we learned that the Milwaukee Public Schools had a gay and lesbian advisory committee that met monthly. Folks, that was 20 years ago. We obtained an extensive manual at that time, a three-ring binder filled with information on how to incorporate the, the gay, lesbian, and bisexual agenda into the schools. Even 20 years ago, they were speaking of homophobia and heterosexual privilege. You'll see those words right in the notebook. There was information on how to reduce homophobic bigotry by having role models such as openly homosexual teachers, coaches, and administrators. They also spoke of bringing in homosexual guest speakers to the school, establishing gay-straight alliances to reassess the curriculum to incorporate gay and lesbian issues throughout the curriculum, not just in classes like health education, but in traditional disciplines such as English and history and science, even using same-sex couples in math story problems, so it was in math class as well. There was instruction how to diversify the library and media holdings to include gay and lesbian titles. It was a massive document, of which we've got a copy here. And based upon the success of change agents, the same type of indoctrination is underway to promote the transgender agenda as well. The transgender ideology. Our guest today calls it the transing of public schools. Joining us today, Lori Higgins, cultural affairs writer with the Illinois Family Institute. Lori, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Jim. Well, Lori, as you know, the, the transformation of the schools uh, started rather subtly and incrementally, but now in so many cases it, it's blatant, it's in your face. How did we ever get to this point? Well, there are many reasons why we got there, and one I would say is the increasing cowardice of Christians and conservatives in general. You know, what we've done is failing to recognize that dramatic cultural change doesn't happen in a singular moment. It's all these little incremental steps, as you said, that we ignore or dismiss because it's easier. And, you know, there are people, me and many others and people doing it before me, that have been warning people about this, and people just continue to ignore it because it either involves us getting active in our schools or it involves pulling our kids out of schools, which is a sacrifice. I mean, it involves either a monetary sacrifice or our time and energy. But now, you know, when I first came aboard the Illinois Family Institute in 2008, I was much more involved in trying to get parents involved in their school system. Now, the, the toxic ideas are too pervasive. They are systemic in our system. They are bureaucratized at every level, and every institution involved with public schools, whether it's state boards of education, the American Library Association, the major of library science, the schools that train people to be teachers, all of those are in the tank for both 
promoting homosexuality and what I call transcultism because the beliefs are so irrational. And so now I still say it's a stewardship issue to be involved in what is going on in your schools because the kids who are in public schools now will be the culture makers in another decade or less. But parents need to get their kids out of schools. Lori, you live in Illinois. You've been monitoring what's going on in education in your state in particular, but it's got, uh, I mean, you're observing what's happening nationally as well. But you have pointed out the impact of an executive order that came from Governor J.B. Pritzker. Tell us about that executive order that came out some time ago. Well, yes, he appointed a task force whose members were all on the left and included young people either in high school or just out of high school who identify as the sex they are not and never can be. So he created this task force to come up with recommendations, what I call to trans the school. To, you know, they'll, they'll argue that it's to make it, make it safe for schools, but of course they're masters of manipulating language, so what they mean by safe is to mean affirming of a set of assumptions about the nature and morality of cross-sex identification. So he came up with that task force, and they came up with their recommendations. I hope people are paying attention in other states because this is coming to every state. It will come to every state unless people take a stand against it, and it's very uncomfortable to take a public stance against this. But, I, you know, if you want, I can tell you some of the things that they've recommended yeah. for transing schools. I want you to share it because people's eyes need to be made aware and because there's a list of recommendations that they made, and we know that the Illinois State Board of Education was impacted by this governor's order. So just unfold for us what part of those recommendations. Yes, so here are the major ones. They are Schools are to add the terms gender identity and gender expression as protected bases for extracurricular activities. So that means how to get boys particularly into girls' sports. That's what that's about. Schools are to allow students who pretend to be the sex they aren't to use opposite-sex restrooms and locker rooms, and that access is to be unrestricted. And here's the irony. And now if girls are not uncomfortable undressing in front of boys, you know, biologically male peers in the girls' locker room, they can request private facilities to change in. Those private facilities used to be girls' locker rooms, but now they have to ask for special dispensation so they don't have to change in front of male peers. Schools are to provide ongoing training to all staff members, which means indoctrinate them with leftist views of gender dysphoria and cross-sex identification. School employees are to use false pronouns or the goofy invented ones that, as I said, sexually confused and often tyrannical teens want them to use. And schools are to discipline promptly any district employee who refuses to use those. So, in other words, theologically orthodox Christians who believe that's an affront to God and that it's a lie and they're not to lie, and so they can't use false pronouns, they are to be disciplined. Schools are also to hire gender support coordinators. If there is a student who identifies as the opposite sex and their parents are not supportive, schools are to find a way to make them safe at school. So anyone who can interpret the subtext there is the schools will help them deceive their families. So these are just a few of them. It is outrageous what is going on. And to see here, Lori, that the whole emphasis of this is to to be affirming 
to make normal that which is abnormal, to affirm that which is not normal or natural or right. It is, it is causing young people to live a lie of deception. The really interesting thing, and I've asked a number of people on the other side of the aisle, if there is a mismatch between a person's subjective internal felt sense of themselves as male or female and their objective physical embodiment with healthy, normally functioning bodies, why would anyone assume that the error is with the healthy, normally functioning mm-hmm. body and put them on hormones so they will be lifetime medical patients and then disfigure them through surgery if they choose to go through that? Why would we make that assumption? You know, we've come to this idea that somehow subjective internal feelings and desires are superordinate over objective reality. And that's why I say there needs to be a discussion. We need to understand that these are all assumptions. These are faith-based beliefs on the left that the human person, their spirit animal, is divorced from their physical embodiment. It's a very, you know, there's an old, old heresy called Gnosticism that separates the person, their spirit, from their body. That's just an assumption. That's a faith-based assumption. That's not an objective, factual statement. And we're going along with this because, you know, Christians don't want anyone to call them names. And that's why the left wins, because every time they call us a name, we say, well, we're not going to say anything now. Mm -hmm. And we're adults, and we're Christians, and we should be wise, and we should be willing to encounter trials for Christ in his kingdom and to speak truth when it matters. We are told today to make a distinction between sex and gender. Your response to that? Well, okay, which is a really interesting question, because so they say, you know, sex is your objective biological aspect of the human person. Then there is gender, which the left says are the arbitrary, socially constructed expectations, roles, conventions that the society associates with maleness or femaleness. And then there's gender identity, which is what do you feel about yourself? The interesting thing is they engage in this rhetorical slippage all the time, the left does, where they will use gender when they really mean biological sex or they will use, so for example, when they say your gender is assigned at birth, well, it's an utterly nonsensical statement because no OBGYN assigns, so remember what they say gender is, socially constructed arbitrary conventions associated with maleness or female. No, no obstetrician assigns you socially constructed expectations. They identify your biological sex, but this is what the left does all the time to confuse people. They also introduce intersex conditions and try to make this sound like the trans cult are actually intersex. Those are two completely different phenomenon, but they are always trying to use language to confuse people. We have individuals today who are identifying as dogs. They identify as a cat. I mean, and some of the antics that they will go through, the the barking, the meowing, the sitting in the sun, you know, just any number of characteristics. You know, in society we say, well, boy, that person needs psychological help. Why is it that that we will say that about those who want to identify as an animal, but when when you have a biological male trying to identify as a female, saying you know that that that's just normal. I mean that that's who they are. Well, that's a really interesting question because the left. That's another thing they do all the time is when you bring up an analogy that makes their ideology sort of points to the incoherence of their ideology or points to the not the 
the slippery slope that is coming, then they just dismiss it by saying, oh, that's different or that's ridiculous. They did it also when people would say when we were opposing the legal redefinition of marriage, mm-hmm. and you'd say, well, the next thing to come, of course, is legalization of plural unions, and they, they would say, that's just different. Here's a really close analogy, probably the closest analogy. There's a condition called body integrity identity disorder where people feel a mismatch between their subjective internal sense of themselves as usually as amputees. Sometimes it's paraplegic, sometimes it's blind, blindness as a blind person, but the usual one is they identify as an amputee. Sometimes this desire uh, emerges at a very young age. Sometimes they engage in self-harm in order to force emergency rooms or physicians to finish the job of removing that limb that they want gone. And and what we say is, no, you cannot have a limb removed. The medical profession will not do that, even if it makes you feel relieved. Mm-hmm. Nor do we say, we're going to allow you to use parking spots for people who have disabilities. Yeah. IFI's Lori Higgins during a recent DCY America Crosstalk program. More of her interview with host Jim Snyder after this. Have you ever noticed how many churches sit empty throughout the week? And if our children are spending most of their week in school with no godly influence, what kind of influence are they getting? Well, Freedom Project Academy wants to change that. And it's a simple concept partner with churches across the country to provide fully accredited, biblically-based online classes that allow every church that sits empty Monday through Friday to start their own school. Freedom Project Academy is a Christ-centered, government-free online school. FPA provides more than 100 live courses. Schools can select the classes they want to use while providing their own courses for Bible study, music, art, and anything else they choose. So here is the real question. How big is your God? Let's fill up our churches all week long. Visit Freedom Project Academy because together we can faithfully educate America. Thanks for joining Inloy Family Spotlight. We're featuring comments made by IFI's Lori Higgins during a recent BCY America Crosstalk program. In this segment, Lori discusses with host Jim Snyder the connection between critical race theory and the trans movement, fake curriculum, and the Equality Act. There has been a social media post that has gone viral here in just the recent days about an individual who uh, declared themselves to be transsexual and transgender, and they needed to, to make changes, and they did make changes. And here is the regret that is coming through. Today is five years since my double mastectomy. I didn't think it would hit me this hard, but it really is tough to deal with. My scars are so large, and I want to crawl out of my skin. I can't believe I was allowed as a child to have this procedure. No one could have prepared me for the reality of it. I was promised sunshine and rainbows, happiness. All my sadness and gender dysphoria would go away. Of course, a kid who was miserable would take that immediately. I don't even feel as if I fit into any gender anymore. My dysphoria is worse than I could have imagined. The fever dream that has transitioned blinded me. I'm so tired, I wish I could go back to being a little girl and tell myself, no, this is the wrong path. This phenomenon of detransitioning is what it's called, is completely tragic. I've been reading these stories for some years now, 
and there's a subreddit where you can go and read these stories. Now that we've been affirming this everywhere, we are seeing both in the in the United States and in in uh, the UK something like on the order of a 4,000% increase in adolescent girls I, suddenly identifying as the sex they are not. Either it usually is male, sometimes it's non-binary or something. Historically, gender dysphoria exists. It's a real phenomenon. It's a problem. In historically, it's affected well a very small percentage of the population, primarily boys. It starts about the ages between three and five. But now suddenly with social media, we're, and it's called late onset or rapid onset gender dysphoria, this gigantic increase in the number of adolescent girls. They can have double mastectomies in some states as young as 13, right. and they're doing this. And, the, and by the way, when you t- start taking testosterone or estrogen for boys, the voice changes never return. So if, you, if your voice has been lowered or raised, it will never return to its normal place. And there's many girls who are saying exactly what this young woman said, which is that now I don't feel I fit anywhere because there's girls who have terrible scarring on their – if they've tried to recreate what they call neo penises, which are never functional, they take big swaths of skin off their thighs or their forearm – they had double mastectomies with these grotesque scars, and then they have these permanent voice changes. They girls with beautiful long hair, thick hair, now are permanently bald, and so and this is what we're doing. And then you have conservatives who won't say anything because they don't want someone mad at them. Meanwhile, they will allow this to happen to other people's children. Yeah. I find it very interesting as to what's going on here, because even according to President Biden, he's speaking of this American Families Plan and wanting to give all Americans an extra four more years of free public education in addition to the universal schooling for K-12. through I mean, we're talking about universal pre-K for three-year-olds and four-year-olds and then two years of tuition-free community college education. I mean, four extra years for the indoctrination. It is for indoctrination. One of the first articles, at least in the first year that I came aboard, which was 2008, I wrote an article critical of an article I'd read about to how to make preschools trans-friendly. That was in 2008, and it got no notice. People ignored me because that's what we do. We ignore people unless, until it directly impacts us. And I want to mention, you know, you talked about this girl's tragic story, the mm-hmm. detransitioner. People also don't hear about what this does to families, and I'm in groups, private Facebook groups on this issue, and I can tell you their families are torn apart. Siblings are torn apart by this. Parents, grandparents, this they, they lose track. Their children go off because they're taught by the trans cult. If your family does not affirm this, you cut them off completely, and they run away, and they're never heard from again. They can go to Planned Parenthood at 18 and start taking hormones after a visit or two. This is going to be viewed as a medical scam. And we're in this, the beginnings of it are now emerging because girls, or young women are coming out and talking about this. But I say every school that has been part of facilitating this medical travesty, every school leader is going to be, should be held accountable for their participation in this. Lori, there's another aspect that we need to alert uh, parents to as well, and that is a story I just saw on WND.com about a situation going on in Missouri 
where they're telling teachers to give a fake curriculum to parents and keep the real one hidden. Now, this is dealing uh, with uh, critical race theory issues in particular, and there, I know there's a connection. We're going to have you call uh, discuss this connection here with critical race theory and this matter. But if, if they're willing to do it with matters like critical race theory, what would cause anyone to think that they would also do it on LGBT issues? Well, they've been doing it for years. What goes on in the classroom, you know, parents think that, oh, they know what their students are being exposed to because they might see a textbook or something, but they don't understand that, number one, teachers can bring in all sorts of resources that have not been run by a department chair or a curriculum review committee, their school board. They just read a New York Times article on Sunday and they bring it into class. And teachers, and I can say this from experience, I worked for a decade in a public school on Chicago's North Shore before I came to Illinois Family Institute, and I can tell you many teachers, particularly the activists, do not want parents to be advocates for their children if they're conservative parents. They want absolute autonomy in what is presented, and they have no problem with concealing material from parents. In fact, I think it's in Wisconsin, isn't it, where they have said, maybe it was a Madison district, where they are going to conceal, they're going to allow students to socially transition at school and conceal it from their parents. Yes. That's going on all over. If they're going to do that, they're going to do it with curricula. Yeah. In in addition, you've got young children whose teachers are transitioning in the classroom as well. And such is the case happening in Madison, Wisconsin, is, is another illustration of that. But it's it's happening in school districts where you will have uh, students going to class and one of their best friends who was uh, supposedly a boy one day is a girl the next or vice versa. I mean, identifying that, as you say, which they are not. Uh, right. And yet we're told that they must accept that and this is who they are and people are, are just different. You know, it's just a difference between them. And what they're doing is they're using... And, and I would say grotesquely misusing the idea of compassion and love to say, if you really love someone, if you really want them to feel good, then you will affirm what they think about themselves, what they desire for themselves. But they don't apply that consistently. Is the left really saying that anything that a person deeply desires should be affirmed by everyone? Because, I mean, that's a whole can of worms if you're going to say that, and they certainly don't fit feel that way about theologically orthodox Christians. And by the way, the transitioning of school employees has been going on way longer. It went on in a middle school in the suburbs of Chicago. It's probably been at least 15 years ago when it, it, it was a principal, I think it was a principal of a school in a middle school. That's how long ago it happened. And they don't tell kids they're now identifying as the opposite sex. They will say, this person is now a man. That's just a bald-faced lie. Mm-hmm unless you've redefined man, which they have. Let's bring up the, the connection. Discuss the connection with critical race theory. Well, critical race theory affirms the whole, all the transcultic beliefs and practices. If you look at BLM, if you look at their beliefs, I know they've changed some of their beliefs. Like they did have something on their website about, uh, you, know, you know, getting rid of the patriarchal family, which they caught so much flack that they removed that. But the founders of BLM many of their beliefs are very explicit about transgenderism, that they affirm it. And, in fact, one of the founders is in a relationship. It's a woman, and she's in a relationship with another woman who pretends to be a man. So that is part and parcel of the whole – and it is part and parcel of the whole identity politics, which is really about, you know, race, class, 
sex and sexual orientation and now gender identity. So, you know, they're not really about diversity, ideological diversity, which, you know, that addresses another thing. Parents should go to their school, public school libraries. They can access them online. Their students have passwords for it. And just do a, a search of your library book collection on critical race theory or race or feminism or homosexuality or uh, trans cultism. And you'll see how grotesquely imbalanced your school library collections are. Another aspect of all of this, another connection is the girls sports just being decimated. They, I mean, it's outrageous. I mean, I'm a parent of, you know, two girls who were athletes both in high school and college, and this is destroying women's athletics. Title IX is being used and abused. That was a, fought hard to win those rights for athletic opportunities for women, and now all their records are being decimated by allowing biological boys who pretend to be girls to enter girls' sports. It is the epitome of injustice. Yeah. Lori Higgins is with us here today. Uh, Lori, and we see the uh, the net effect of this uh, uh, taking place, and the numbers are skyrocketing of, of uh, young people and teens that are now declaring themselves to be LGBT, uh, where their numbers are, are vastly growing because of this indoctrination taking place. It is indoctrination. It's happening, and, and it's affirmed everywhere. So if parents think you can't undo everything that they're exposed to in public schools, and that's exposed to in curricula, in through activities, through the plays that are put on at school, through the conversations that happen in classrooms, you can't undo that. And then add to every other context in the culture. So our professional medical and mental health organizations have been taken over by leftists and who are affirming transcultic beliefs. The music, our movies, our television shows, our children's television programs, you can't undo that. And there's only one way to protect children from these issues that they are not capable. We in Illinois now have a law that children from K through 12 have to be exposed to pro-homosexual, pro-transcultic beliefs starting in kindergarten, going all the way through their senior year in high school. Well, they can't possibly understand the epistemological, ontological, moral ramifications and assumptions that undergird this movement, and the left knows it. And so they're saying, we're going to approach this in an age-appropriate way, which means we will indoctrinate them with these watercolored, flowery, positive images while they're very, very young. And by the time they get to the age where they can understand this at a philosophical and intellectual level, they'll already be affirming these ideas without even knowing that they've been exposed to ideological assumptions, controversial ones, too. I I can only imagine the conflict that children are facing about being forced to violate their own conscience on these things. When schools have policies that allow children to use opposite-sex restrooms and locker rooms, those policies are teaching every child in that school that in order to be compassionate and loving, they must relinquish their physical privacy. And it's teaching them that physical embodiment has no intrinsic meaning relative to undressing or engaging in bodily functions. It's teaching everyone's child that. Lori Higgins with us uh, from Illinois Family Institute. Lori, let's just bring in the Equality Act because it is so much tied to the very issues we're talking about here. Yes, the Equality Act is a federal law being proposed, and it would add gender identity and gender expression to our federal anti-discrimination laws, 
which, you know, that sounds good. We're all about equality. We don't want mistreatment of anyone. But one of the, the primary issues that we never talk about anymore is the left is making headway on laws like this and policies by saying that homosexuality is analogous to race. And that's how they've made this argument. But they don't ever say, in what way is this biological, immutable, 100% heritable condition of skin color analogous to volitional homosexual acts and subjective desires? There is no analogy. And if we say, well, are we going to have every condition that's constituted by subjective desire and volitional sexual acts protected, then we've opened a can of worms, as I mentioned before. And that's what the Equality Act will, in essence, do. And it specifically says if there's a conflict between what they call the rights of homosexuals and people of faith, their religious rights, the religious rights are subordinate to the sexual rights of homosexuals and trans-identifying people. Keep in mind there are not former Caucasians, former black-skinned individuals. There are not uh, former individuals, uh, you know, based upon one's skin color, but there are former homosexuals. Uh, and there are people who, who leave this lifestyle choice, Lori, and, and it is not an immutable characteristic such as skin color is. Right. It's not everyone knows. I mean, even the even the, if people have been reading deeply in the leftist homosexual scholarship, they will find going back decades that they say sexual orientation is fluid. It is not fixed. That's from the left. But that never got into the mainstream press. And even if people's subjective desire, attraction for someone else doesn't dissipate, what they choose to do with that is volitional. So what we're really talking about is we're not talking about hatred of persons. Mm -hmm. We're talking about moral propositions. What constitutes moral behavior? Some people say cross-dressing is fine moral behavior. Other people say it's not. And so you should not be going into schools, public schools, funded by taxpayers, and telling everyone's child that cross-dressing is a moral act. And that this is a reality, that if you feel you're male, you actually are male. That's a bald-faced lie. It flies in the face of science. And, in fact, science has been corrupted by this. There's people who are writing now, scientists writing and saying, among ourselves, we, of course, recognize that the human species is sexually dimorphic, but we can't even say it publicly in our field or we risk professional harm. I I have a son-in-law who is a research scientist, and... They are doing research that it depends on knowing males from females. They're researching diseases that affect only females. Mm. So science is not on board the trans cult. IFI's Lori Higgins during a recent VCY America Crosstalk program. Be sure to join IFI for our Beyond Hate and Division Worldview Conference, an in-depth look at critical race theory from a Christian perspective, Saturday, May 22nd, at Revive Church in Collinsville. And please join the Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer for the IFI Fall Banquet, October 29th. For more information and to register for these special events, click events at IllinoisFamily.org. That's IllinoisFamily.org. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. All donations are tax-deductible. And tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, 
and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.